Get on Team Shaq with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, and laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight bet or parlay. That's $200 that you can use for all the upcoming basketball action, including the men's basketball tournament. If you bet at least $500 during the first and second round of the tournament, you can get a trip to the five-star rated Win Las Vegas. Offer subject to change, terms, and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. It's the latest episode of the That's So Mets podcast. I'm your host, Connor Rogers, joined as always by my co-host, Joe DeMeo. It is episode number 11, and folks, this is probably the last episode of the That's So Mets podcast before Steve Cohen gets approved officially as the owner of this New York Mets franchise. So we're going to tie things up on that end as it looks official now that this vote will be taking place Friday. I think that's good news right now. The earlier, the better. The fact that it is happening in October before this offseason goes into full effect is a very, very good sign. Uh, we're going to talk about a very interesting free agent player that was slightly in the news this week. And as always, we're going to answer your questions. So, Joe, number one, how are we doing? And number two, how are we feeling about this this vote on Friday? Does it seem a little earlier than you expected? Hey, Connor, everything's doing good. I'm glad that I had some computer problems, so we were able to actually see that the approval's happening on Friday and don't record before yeah, it we saved see us, it. Right? So it saved, <laughs> saved us a little bit. But no, I it lined up. I mean, I've been saying for a few weeks now here on the podcast that everything I'm hearing is this vote is happening by the end of October. And lo and behold, it uh, per Disha Thosar at the Daily News, it's on Friday. And he is going to get the votes. Uh, de Blasio, it sounds from what I'm hearing that people are making a way bigger thing of the de Blasio situation than it really is. Uh, it, it seems like it's just him flexing his muscle on a billionaire or whatever and just he's going to end up being perfectly fine rubber stamping it. And I would imagine that would happen before the vote. And then once the MLB owners vote and they vote yes, which is more than widely expected, it's possible that Jerry Reinsdorf is the only person that says no, Uh, but there are rumors of maybe another one or two. And then once he is approved by the owners, we move on to the closing of the sale, which I don't believe will be, it won't be till early next week. So, we're going to get the vote to approve, which means it's done. Everything's done. You know, the ownership committee, the commissioner's executive council, the city of New York, the owner's vote. That means it is a done, done deal. And then it's just a matter of closing on the deal, much like you would close on a house or, or anything like that. And I anticipate that happening at the beginning of next week. And then I think it's, you know, full bore ahead. You'll you'll get a press conference or a Zoom conference or something with Steve Cohen, and I don't know if he'll have Sandy Alderson on that or not, but you know the media will get to meet Steve Cohen, and you'll get to hear what he has to say. I would anticipate sometime next week, and then Connor, we're going to be rolling. You know, it's going to be on to figuring out what this front office is going to look like, firings if there are some, hirings, then jump right into you know player acquisition because the off season starts 
five days after World Series ends, which could be tonight. Uh, it might be Dodgers and six. And if it's Dodgers and six, then, you know, the offseason officially starts early next week. So you'll be a tiny bit behind in the scheme of things. But baseball's not like football, which is what you usually cover. And it's not like day one of free agency, bang, 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 a bunch of things are going to happen. It's just day one of free agency will just be the first day where people can start thinking about it. And we got we got a little a little ways to go. So I think it'll it'll work out for the Mets timing wise. I don't think they're going to miss out on anything because of when this deal is getting approved. And something I've been saying is I think it has to be in the back of a lot of top agents minds is. Hey, if we're not in love with an offer, like absolutely floored by an offer, we can wait a little bit to see what the Mets have, right? Or you can even put that in your back pocket to a team and say, hey, it's a nice offer. It's not good enough for us. We're going to wait to see what the Mets have once that sale is official and what a couple other teams have to say as well. So I'm with you, Joe, that I'm not worried about this very, very small layover uh, that is in between, and maybe you might not even really get one, but in between free agency and the Mets officially transitioning over. Because I think the main question on every Mets fan's mind, especially those listening to this show, is you know, how quickly can Steve Cohen make an impact? Will we see that translate to a top player or two in free agency? Uh, a relatively thin market, let's be real. It's not like there's 50 top players out there and everybody's going to have a new star on their team. There's only going to be a couple of teams walking away feeling like they got an all-star caliber player, um, you know, maybe even a Cy Young pitcher, depending how you look at things. So when it comes down to it, it, overall, it's good news, right? You look at it, this Mets team now, uh, it, everything seems official. The Wilpons are, are going to be gone. Jeff is not, uh, I had to give a good laugh. I think it was Andy Martino was saying how Jeff Wilpon is, is not going to see if he could stay on in some kind of role with the team. Uh, that door is being slammed and you really just have to laugh at all of it. It'll be interesting to see how quickly Sandy is, is back in the swing of things. Um, you know, and I think it makes me raise the question to you, Joe, that a lot of people might not, you know, know about or, or realize how much of this staff with the New York Mets right now actually was either hired by Sandy, uh, worked with Sandy in the past. That, like, I think this is a little bit easier of a transition than your typical front office and ownership, uh, you know, that we've seen in the past. Absolutely. Yeah. No, a, a bunch of the scouting department either was hired by Sandy or... You know, Tommy Tanis was brought in by Sandy Ellison. So people under Tommy Tanis, by proxy, were brought in by Sandy Alderson, even if it was through Tommy. Uh, but so, yeah, I think it's an easy transition. And let's also, let's not fool ourselves here. Let's not think that Steve Cohen and Sandy Ellison were just hanging around twiddling their thumbs and saying, yeah, we'll take care of this, you know, once this approval is done. And then, we'll, you know, we'll get to work then. Like, let's not fool ourselves. They've been... They've been talking about this for probably a couple months now. So I expect things to move fast and furious. They're certainly going to go through an interview process. It's not like Steve Cohen's going to hop on the call next week and say, Sandy is our president and let's bring in our secret GM in door number two that we've been talking to in the background. So they'll, they'll do things the right way, have an interview process. But I think it's going to be fast and furious where you're going to see them have a maybe short list of candidates for GM or day-to-day day -day baseball operations lead, VP, call them what you will. Um, I, I think that's going to happen relatively quickly. And then 
there's you know scouts that got let go throughout the league and analytics people that got let go like the Mets might be looking into some of them or pulling guys from teams that already have contracts that try to you know buy them into into the Mets team so I expect the infrastructure to get built up really quickly and then by late November you see them really diving into the players because I think they they it's important to me for the first couple weeks here to hammer home what this front office is going to look like where our analytics department is at and then give them a you know a few days to assess the team and you know what what the needs are I mean we you and I could rally off what the needs are so obviously that's not a crazy difficult thing but then who the right targets are because it's easy for us to go on you know baseball reference and all, all this stuff and look up stats and say hey you know Trevor Bauer is really good they need pitching <laughs> two and two together seems perfect but you know they have to dive into the whole situation with you know not just Bauer but every every free agent figure out who the who's the right fit uh, and I would be surprised like you said there's limited all-star caliber players that are available I would be surprised if Steve Cohen didn't come away with one of them might be two and maybe it's a trade and a free agent or something like that but I'd be surprised if the Mets just had kind of a normal Mets offseason where all right we need catcher a couple starting pitchers and a center fielder we'll sign Jackie Bradley James McCann uh Tanaka and Jay Happ or something I don't know whatever just you throwing names out there like you're, you're gonna see at least one move that I think you're gonna look at and go that's an impact player and I don't know who it is that's and that's what makes it super fun because we don't know what this new ownership group and new front office is going to think everything that you and I and everyone listening everything we've known about the Mets for the last how basically however long I've been paying attention to it from this level it's all changed so what I think I know I need to wipe clean I don't know anymore yeah it's a great point right it's it's a it's a franchise changing and franchise defining move where it's not the same old mess it's not the cheap mess it's not it changes everything from top to bottom and it's something we've talked about since the launch of this show and something I've heard uh, for a long time even before the launch of this show is that Cohen wants to come in and, and make a a splash like headline defining move now that can be in free agency that can be in the trade market um, you know, think like a Mookie Betts kind of move. And obviously Mookie already got moved, went to the Dodgers. But you look at this podcast always talks about Francisco Lindor. I think that's the most obvious one. Um, a guy that I personally believe will be moved this offseason and a guy that I believe the Mets will be in on. And I know, Joe, you have said you feel the same way. But I want to take this another direction and look at free agency because this player was in the news this week uh, from Patrick Creighton. He said, bad Astros rumors. Hearing George Springer does not want to return to the Astros. Uh, owner had said before the season, resigning him was a top priority, but nothing ever materialized. So it, this is a this would be a big bat, right? And this is a player that right now, at least for the first year, would play center field. And center field is a hole on the New York Mets team. And I think when you look at it, you know, Springer is somebody that puts up big-time numbers in the postseason, um, you know, has played in big-time games. And sure, we, especially myself, I've said, you know, how I feel about Astros players, and it is a difficult hurdle to get over. 
I think at some point, Joe, we do need to talk about Springer being one of the guys that would possibly be in play for this New York Mets team. Springer is a great fit for the Mets. And I I was going back and forth with a few people on Twitter the other day talking about, you know, all the free agents, how I would prioritize them, things like that. And, you know, Springer's a guy, to me, he reminds me of a better version of what the Mets got when they signed Curtis Granderson. When Granderson came over, you know, he was an, a fine center fielder. Not a great one, but he still was able to play. And you knew that in, the, you know, two years into the deal, maybe you'd have to transition him to a corner. And awesome person off the field. Like George Springer, yes, he was part of the Astros cheating scandal. Every player there was. So he's no more guilty than anybody else. Uh, it was just the way things were there. It wasn't right, but, you know, it is what it is. But off the field, George Springer is an elite person. He is a big-time clubhouse presence there. He's He was one of the top leaders on that, on that Astros team that's been wildly successful. And, you know, when growing up, uh, George Springer actually had a stutter. I watched a, lo- a long piece on him, and so he had a stuttering problem. And now he does, like, a whole bunch of different charities for, like, kids with speech impediments and tries to help kids along there. And I've heard through the grapevine that, if it could work out that way, George Springer would love to come back home or in the area of home. Uh, he grew up a Red Sox fan in Connecticut, uh, went to UConn. So he's a Northeast guy. So if he had it his way, he'd like to come back home. But I, uh, while I've heard that, I always in the back of my head just say, you know, guys are going to take whatever the best deal is. And the most money is basically where free agents tend to go. So that's kind of what I expect there. But on the field, like you said, George Springer hits for some average. Not a really high average, but he hits for some average. He gets on base. He has power. And defensively in center field, a drastic upgrade from Brandon Nimmo. Uh, According to baseball savant, Brandon Nimmo was the 38th ranked center fielder in outs above average, which is basically like a basically a range statistic, which makes sense. I mean, Nimmo caught what he could get to. But he doesn't have the range to play center field. He's a corner outfielder that they jammed there because they didn't have a better option. Springer's not an elite center fielder. It's not like you're getting Jack Jackie Bradley Jr. is, you know, he's an elite defensive center fielder, but you're giving some at the plate. Springer, you're getting the plate, and he's a slightly above average or so center fielder. He ranked 15th in OAA. So he's fine in center field for now. Uh he might be looking at a four or five year deal similar to how Granderson was. And, you know, I, I think he's a great fit for the Mets clubhouse, a great fit, you know, in New York and a great fit in this lineup. So if George Springer's one of the guys that Steve Cohen and co, I guess, company want to pursue, uh, that'd be great. Springer, I think, fits this team like a glove. And I think Met fans would quickly, quickly love him and be able to get past the sign-stealing thing, and he'll have to answer to it, just like Marisnik did, just like J.D. Davis did. But once you answer to it, you know, people don't talk about J.D. Davis as from the Houston Astros sign-stealing scandal anymore. It's just, you answer to it, apologize, move on, and I think Met fans will fall in love with Springer. And I think it helps that, you know, (laughs) Springer uh, produced, right, in the postseason, and you know, specifically in the divisional round and, and Springer still produced this year. I think that helps in all of answering those questions. 
And I think when you look at it, it's interesting that, you know, let's call it what it is right now, Joe. The Mets' needs, top needs, are center field, catcher, and starting pitching. And in a free agent class that I have not been overly high on, there are elite players at those positions right now. I mean, Real Muto is realistically the most well-rounded catcher in baseball. Trevor Bauer is coming off a Cy Young season, and I will reiterate, I... He scares me a lot. He really does. And it's not just the character that he is off the field. I even think that while he's a great pitcher, it it took a while for it to fully click, right? And he's going to get paid not not like the pitcher he was most of his career. He's going to get paid like the Cy Young guy he was this year. And good for him. I have no problem with that. I just don't know if Trevor Bauer... I guess I'm... You know, it's about like how risk averse you are right and I think Bauer is a risky signing by the Mets while I look at Real Muto and Springer and sure like anyone else they're getting older they're not old they're getting older I feel like those guys have a much higher floor so it's interesting you know we get back into it I we've talked about Stroman coming back which I'm personally a fan of um you know, I'm, I think starting pitching is not going to be easy to find, so I can't nitpick at the options that exist. It's quite simple as that, but I look at it, and Springer would, would still excite me. Real Muto would really, really excite me. While I would – I'm not going to sit here and lie. When we do – if we do an emergency podcast, the Mets sign Trevor Bauer, I'd be really excited, but I would have more reservations. I would have more of a little bit of a discomfort – in the back of my head going, okay, this, this could be an amazing signing, but you can also see why I can explode. So, um, and the trade market is, is honestly my personal favorite because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to look into that because we got some great questions from you guys that we're going to dive into. Um, but And one of them is really, really trade heavy. But the first one is not. And it's actually interesting because we could have some fun with this one. From One Shining Mets, what changes, if any, would you like to see Steve Cohen make to City Field? I'd like to just see more recognition of Mets history. I think they made some strides uh, with the Mets Hall of Fame, you know, the different banners outside. It's a shame that Tom Seaver passed before his statue could get implemented. But, like, I'm a big statue guy. I, I don't know. I, Me too. I went to Pittsburgh, and at PNC they have, you know, a few different statues outside the park there, and you just walk around, you see them, and, you know, they're, it's cool to have that, you know, memorialized on the outside of the stadium like you have a Seaver statue you have a piazza statue uh, you have a tug mcgraw statue you have a jesse roscoe statue for 86 you know i'm not saying 100 statues but you know just naming some examples that could be you know iconic moments in team history just put in statue form to me that that's pretty good you know just make it feel more like the mets ballpark a little bit i think that like i said they've made a lot of strides like when city field first opened i was like whose freaking stadium is this <laughs> like the walls weren't even blue yeah, the walls weren't point. even blue you had the jackie robinson rotunda i didn't even see met signs anywhere it was just the most bland no yeah, orange no orange no nothing um i'm not like i know a lot of people talk about changing the seat color to like how shea had it i'm fine with the seats being the color they are i don't i don't need that but yeah, just kind of more recognition of Mets history in in like a legit form that gives people gives fans photo opportunities because I mean when you go to a stadium and you see a statue, there's always like a line of people waiting to take a picture with the statue and you know just a good story for you know 
fathers to tell their sons or daughters or kids and just say, you know, dad was there when, you know, Jesse Roscoe flipped the glove in the air when the Mets won the World Series in 1986. And, you know, just cool moments like that that I think will just bring more appreciation to the team's history. I like that a lot. And it's something I actually really didn't think of, to be honest with you, before. And I saw that I put this question in the rundown, but I, I didn't think of it like that. So I'm glad you did. And I, you know what's funny is, like, I mean, I guess they get clowned on at times because the Yankees play in this town as well. The Mets have a pretty good history. Like, they have history, right? They're not like this team without a World Series, right? They're not that. They have two. And those teams were pretty special. I mean, the 86 team, everybody knows, should have won probably three titles. It just fell apart for a, a wild amount of reasons. They were a miracle team in 69. So, and they have some icon. the Mets are an iconic pitching franchise, right? When you look at Seaver, Gooden, now DeGrom, and I'm absolutely putting DeGrom in that, on his way to being in that category. I mean, with Seaver, DeGrom is, we almost forget sometimes what we're witnessing with DeGrom. But outside of those guys, they've had great pitchers as well. The Mets have a really rich history of pitching. So I like that a lot. I think the last ballpark I went to, um, actually, the last ballpark I literally went to, I was going to say that's not Mets related, but I went. we didn't get to go to games this year, and I went to this ballpark uh, almost on the last day of the season. I went to a Mariners game at T-Mobile. I was doing a scouting trip um, for USC Washington, and Seattle is just an incredible city. So I try to think of like, oh, things I liked at this ballpark that I would love to see at City. City is a great ballpark. It really is. But what I loved about T-Mobile, of many things, they really incorporate the local feel to the ballpark. And the Mets have gotten a lot better at that. I really do think they have gotten a lot better at that. But they can continue to build on that local feel, like local food, local beer, all of that kind of stuff. They've gotten better at it. But And I don't know. You would probably know more about this than me, Joe. I don't know the restrictions or why they exist. But the one thing holding City Field back from being a top five ballpark in the entire league, and it's very close, is the surrounding area. And when you hang out in Seattle, you know, obviously you have all the stadiums there, but there are bars around, there are restaurants, you're walking around everything. It's a great area. It's the one thing that, you you know, sure there's McFadden's, but City Field really needs, and I don't know how they do it because I know there's all kinds of property restrictions and all these problems, but if you found a way to build City Field's surrounding area with more restaurants and bar opportunities, it's a situation where you're not showing up for first pitch. You could show up three hours before and eat dinner and go out and have a fun. You can go out there anyway without even going to the game, and I think it's the one thing that's holding them back right now. Yeah, that's been a thing. The Willits Point project has been something that the city and the Wilpons and everyone have been seemingly working on forever. I, I don't know when exactly that's supposed to kick off, but yeah, I, I'm with you. The surrounding areas, obviously, like that's that's number one. Like I was thinking just the stadium itself, not even necessarily the surrounding area, but what they yeah, can control. Right, exactly. Yes, but the, I agree. The, I the surrounding that. area is important to do for the long term of this franchise like you said i happen to like the tailgate a little bit so you know i show up usually like an hour and a half two hours before first pitch and 
you know, have some snacks, throw back a beer or two, so I don't have to pay $15 for every beer I drink, and um, yeah, and then I go into the stadium, and you know, I like to get settled, I like to get my food before the game, if I'm gonna eat, like that kind of thing, I'm not, I hate getting up during games to go make a food run or a beer run, like, yeah, so yeah I just miss a ton of the games, so I like, I like to get in a little early and just get that all out of the way, but if you told me, like, I could have a whole day there, because I'm coming from Connecticut. You know, it's different if I lived in Queens. It's a little different, yeah. If I lived yeah. in Queens, I take the train. <laughs> take the, yeah, uh, you know, if if I lived in Queens, I would just take the subway there and or whatever and just get there really quick, and it's not a big deal. But I'm coming from Connecticut, and I don't go to every – I don't go to a ton of games. I usually – I try to hit a game two a month tops. And, yeah, if you told me I could, like, make a day of it on, like – a Saturday in July, like a nice sunny 85 degree Saturday in July and go ahead and hit up a bar, hit up a restaurant. You know, I'd, a 7-10 Saturday night game, I'd get there 1, 2 o'clock and just enjoy myself. And like you said, make an experience. Pittsburgh was the same way as Seattle, like you said. Uh, Chicago, obviously, at Wrigleyville is the same way. Oh, Wrigleyville's amazing. Yeah, like, that's what I want, 100%. And... You know, you have the whole surrounding area. And what's what sucks is the surrounding area, not only is there just not anything to do, it just looks like crap. Like, no offense to these job yeah, shops. shops. Yeah, no offense to them. I'm, You know, they're doing business and doing what they have to do. But, like, it just it looks like you're in a crappy area with a really nice stadium next to it. So hopefully that, that can get kicked off at some point in time. Um, I don't know how much control Steve Cohen has over that. I know that involves the city and stuff. So, uh hopefully soon enough because that's an area that needs to get redone i mean they have the marina right there which is really nice so people could take the ferry in uh they have the u.s open for tennis right there so when the u.s open plays a couple you know weeks there in august every year you know people come in for that too so you can make so much money for new york city if you concerts Concerts, i mean yeah there's so much you could do i mean yeah so much um, but those those are some of the things. Really good question, you know, off the beaten path of what we typically answer, which is basically like this free agent, that free agent. Uh, you know, what when I ask for questions, you know, I appreciate those questions. But if you if you give us something a little different, it might catch our eye a little quicker. So good question. Uh, this one definitely baseball related. From JKD Boxer sixty nine. Very nice. Any chance the Mets can swipe Lindor and Carrasco? Said he's owed uh, two years, 27 mil. For a package built around Dom, Rosario, J.D., Beatty, and Vientos. Joe's going to have a stroke, so I'm just going to let him go with this one. Okay, so, sure, possible. Um, I don't know what team. So, for trades this offseason, I'm very interested to see how teams are approaching trades. Because almost across the game, most teams are going to need to cut payroll. The New York Yankees are making it clear they have to cut payroll. And the Mets don't. They have money. Uh, Steve Cohen is coming in with the intention of spending money. I don't think he's going to spend to some fan satisfaction. I think some fans expect him to just go crazy. Uh, I think he will spend and spend well. Um, but... I think this is an opportunity for the Mets to capitalize. You know, maybe it's not Carrasco per se, because, I mean, two years, 27, 13 and a half a year for a guy like that, that's still, that's a really good deal. Like, that's not necessarily a contract. I think that has to go. But 
I, I'm, I'm going to do a study. I'm going to look into this, and you know, we'll, we'll revisit this next week or the week after, and certainly as the offseason progresses. Like, who are some expensive starting pitchers that still have, you know, something? They still can pitch, but teams need to cut payroll, so maybe you could take advantage of that. And we could take on the money. It'll be a lesser return, but, you know, we'll take on that money and help you with your budget problems. The Mets might be able to really capitalize in that portion of the market, and they might be amongst the very select few that can. Uh, But sticking to, like, this general proposal, all right, so Rosario makes total sense. They're trading a shortstop, get a young, controllable shortstop back. Like you said, they have prospects and things like that, but, you know, they're still fielding a team. So if they get a young, controllable shortstop like Rosario, I I could see them being interested in him. Uh, J.D. Davis, I could see them being interested in him, and I could see the Mets being willing. They need outfielders. Yeah, I could see the Mets being willing to part with J.D. Beatty, you and I have talked about it. I'm a fan of Brett Beatty, but if you tell me he's going to get me Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco, I probably I probably can live without him. Uh, Mark Vientos, another guy, big fan of. Uh, I'm going to have a top 20 prospect list sometime very soon. Uh, with the sale closing up, I think it'll probably end up getting published with SNY shortly after the sale, and we're going to run through that on the podcast for sure. Uh, Vientos will certainly be ranked pretty highly. Big fan, but again, these are not deal-breaking prospects for me. Dom Smith is where I'm kind of drawing the line. I think ultimately we will end up with DH. I hope we end up with the DH. If not, if, if we have to take a year break, it's possible. And then the next CBA Don't comes give away up. the next question, Joe. Yeah. Don't give away the next question. <laughs> That's true. I guess I should look ahead. But anyway, um, Dom, man, he's just such a good player and such a glue to this clubhouse. I think I might draw the line at Dom. I might say, look. Rosario, J.D. Davis, Beatty, Vientos, and maybe if we have to negotiate you know, a fifth piece somewhere, I might be willing to do that. But even though it seems like he's kind of stuck, I, I don't want to part with Dom, man. He's an absolute tank at the plate. He's fulfilled all of his promise that he had as a high school prospect, and he's a glue guy in this, in this locker room. How everyone stood by him uh, during the Black Lives Matter movement, his statement and his you know his crying press conference and his showing emotion and how everyone just stood by his side like dom's a leader on this team i can't trade him i i just can't number number one i fully agree and there's a lot to process with this question and before we do because i don't want it to seem like nitpicking or anything like that this is this question is a great process right by jkd boxer 69 because it looked at something realistic, Francisco Lindor in the market, and hey, we're going to have to give up a lot if we wanted a guy like Carrasco, who was really good this year, is on an affordable deal, and is a veteran pitcher, a guy that just simply knows how to pitch. So it's a really good process because the return is big, it's realistic. Now, my counter of all this, one... It's well documented that Cleveland is is probably going to have to explore trading Francisco Lindor. I don't think Cleveland is in the business of looking to rebuild. I think they want to keep winning. And I think Carrasco is a huge part of that. And coming off a really good year where they're a team that watches money, 
I think they wouldn't want to move him. Now, maybe I'm wrong, right? And this is a really strong return in the question that makes you think if you're Cleveland. I don't think they'd want to move Carrasco, but I think the process of this question is really good where it explores, hey, can the Mets get a big piece but also get a starting pitcher along the way if they're going to be sending so much? So my gut feeling is it's, it's going to be tough to get a guy like Carrasco, but you do have to think like this. How do we get a pitcher that is on a pretty good deal that's a veteran kind of guy? Now, when you look at the return here, I'm with you, Joe. Rosario, not really a place for him with the Mets anymore. J.D., love J.D. Davis. He's one of the pieces, though, that they probably would be willing to give up because, you know, he's a corner outfielder, third baseman, D.H., that sure he has a lot of... Po- the stuff that J.D. does, I think the Mets would think they can replace or live without that. I'm not saying I want to move on from J.D. I'm just saying what it is. Beatty, don't think there's a home for him here. And I'll get into that why in a little bit. Vientos, I defer to you on what Vientos is right now, but I'm not going to be the prospect hugger that says no 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 like you're gonna have to give the get dom is where i do draw the line dom is let's not forget sandy's coming back sandy drafted dom sandy drafted conforto i think sandy is gonna look at those guys and be like i was right about them i'm doing internal extensions when that time comes i think dom is viewed more on the line towards a franchise player than he is a trade asset i'm not saying he's a franchise player but I'm saying he's more on that side of things than a trade asset. Now, the elephant in the room that people don't want to talk about, and I think you would be much, you know, very open to this combo, Joe, is that we don't know if Pete Alonso is going to be able to play first base. And he was great as a rookie. He was not good last year at first base. And the DH is coming to the National League full-time. Whether it's going to be this year, we don't know. There's a lot of rumors going around. But in the future, it is coming. And there might be a world where, quite simply, I love Pete. Pete's great for this Mets franchise. He's great for New York. There might be a world where Alonso's not an everyday first baseman. You know, he plays first here and there, right? The Yankees do this with Luke Voigt. Plays first here and there. And Pete wants to get better at first. Dom might need to play first for this team. And Dom's a really good glove and a really good player. And a glue guy in the clubhouse. So I, I just don't think Dom is available. Quite simply. I really don't. And I hate to be the glass half empty guy with that Alonzo kind of talk, but it's just something you have to prepare for as a personnel guy that Pete is a big time bat and maybe not an everyday first baseman. So the process of this trade and this question is very, very good, but that's just the one guy where I sit there and probably draw the line. I Yeah, I totally agree. And when it comes to Alonzo... Yeah, it, it's tough to say he's going to be an everyday first baseman at this point. Dom is better than him at the position, I, and I don't env- I, I don't envision that changing. And Dom has tried his darndest out in left field, but he is not an outfielder in any way, shape, or form. There's he's not a left fielder whatsoever. I Dom credit for you for trying, and you know he made a couple good plays here and there, but. I do not want to see Dom Smith playing left field anymore. Uh, in a pinch, if I have to, I have no choice, you know, on a given day, okay. But I don't want to see him in left. I'm I'm done with this playing guys out of position stuff. Like, to, let's get past that. You know, Brandon Nimmo 
is going to be a rock solid left fielder defensively, and his skill set, you know, f- gels really good with this lineup. He gets on base at a high clip, and you put him at the top of the order, and you just watch McNeil, Conforto, Alonso, George Springer, JT Realmuto, guys like that. Come at Francisco Lindor, you know, guys like that. Drive him in. Like that's Brandon Nimmo is perfectly made for the Mets, and he's perfectly made for left field. He is not a center fielder, to no fault of his own. It is what it is. He just doesn't have the range to play major league center field. But left field, he's fine. And, you know, Dom is just the first baseman. So you, you have to find ways to get him at bats because of the way his bat is. And first base is where he has to play for me. I, I'm, I'm done. Done playing people all random spots just to try to make a lineup make sense. Uh, I want guys playing where they're supposed to play at least a high, high majority of the time. Yeah, it's not MLB the show, right? right. We're not just exactly. throwing. The Mets have tried to do that lately, yeah. and uh, it, it kind of answers the next question, but I still want to read it from Gerardo. If the DH is gone in 2021, what did the Mets do at first base? And, and that's my thoughts is that, you know, then you're looking at a scenario where Pete's going to be playing first every day, right? And Dom is probably going to be put out in left field, and when Pete gets rare days off, then Dom is going to play first. But – that's a bad scenario for the Mets if the DH is gone because it has this trickle effect on a lot of guys. You know, Cano being one, Cano was very good offensively last year. Like, you, you want the DH to be open for guys like Pete, for guys like JD, for guys like Dom and Cano. And with Dom, it's almost just like a hey, we need him in the lineup every day. Dom is not a, a you know, you look at J.D. Davis, you look at the age Cano's at, and you look at Alonzo, and you just think D.H. with those guys, yeah. right? And J.D. had some flashes at third last year, which was really good to see, so maybe not. But I don't view Dom as that guy. I just view it as a as a, a bonus, right, a supplement to have the D.H. spot open for him. Dom is a very, very good glove at first. So if there's no D.H. in 2021, it's very bad news for the Mets. But the quite simple answer is Pete Alonzo is going to be playing first base. Yeah, it, yeah. if the DH is gone in 2021, which, you know, as I kind of was alluding to before I stopped kind of... Which is stupid. Yeah, it, like, is that really going to happen? I don't think so. I think they're going to end up agreeing to just keep it going. Otherwise, the CBA is up after 2021 anyway, so it'll just be in the next CBA. So, like, there's a chance you have, like, a one-year gap, but I don't think so. I, so I, I think it's here to stay, and not just for the Mets. The DH is good for everybody. That's what it should be. I mean, I know that it creates jobs, it creates jobs. And, you know, we're not going to hurt our pitchers running and pitchers don't really hit like for every Bartolo Colon fun home run like that rarely happens. So I'm over the old school thing. And the DH is old school, too. Like baseball is the only sport that has separate rules. The DH has been around since the 70s. It's not like the DH came out five years ago. The DH has been around for like 40 years almost. So like it's it's not a new thing. It's time for everyone to be in line and operate the same. And that is with the DH, no question about it. But if it were to not be here in 2021, Dom Smith just doesn't get to play a lot. I don't know how else to put it because I'm not jamming him in left too much just to get his bat in the lineup. I can't. I think they would. I don't know. Uh, they might. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying they won't. I'm saying I wouldn't. <laughs> I would say, look, him and Pete have to split time at first, and on the days that they're not playing first, they're just not in the lineup, and they come off the bench late, and you know maybe you make an adjustment late, but 
yeah, I think it would it would cost playing time for those guys. There's no question about it, uh, or it should. For me, I, I'm looking at defense. The defense has been a disaster with this team, and I'm done. I'm completely over it. So I don't want guys that can't play defense anymore. So if I'm signing George Springer, cool. He's fine defensively in center. And by proxy, if you move Nimmo to left, a Nimmo Springer Conforto outfield should be very strong. Um, if you sign a Jackie Bradley Jr., then that all, and you still do, you know, Nimmo and Conforto in the corners, it's an even stronger defensive outfielder. So I, I'm very much focused on making sure this defense is right. They have the sticks. They can hit. Defense and pitching is what would cost this team, not the offense. So I, I can't I can't be putting Dom Smith in left field anymore. I just I just can't do it. So hopefully hopefully we have the DH and we don't have to worry about this. And just keep the DH yes. and Pete spends a bunch of time <laughs> there and Dom spends a bunch of time at first and you work it out. I wanted to say, moral of the story, folks, pray the DH is back. Yes. And with that being said, Joe, closing thoughts on episode eleven. Cannot wait for this approval. Uh it's been a roller coaster and you've been along the ride with us the last couple months uh you know we're episode 11 today so yeah i mean it's it's been a little bit here and the sale has been a driving force of this podcast so it's been a fun time to start it and we've dealt with all the a-rod and j-lo stuff all the smear hit pieces put out on steve cohen everyone from you know espn first take and everything trying to crap on steve cohen on on the way to the end of this sale but we're here. We made it. Friday, the vote will happen. Steve Cohen will get approved by Major League Baseball, their owners, the executive committee, and Bill de Blasio from the New York City. And Steve Cohen will be the Mets owner next week. He, I expect the deal to close sometime next week, hopefully really early. But the days of waiting and worrying and saying i'll believe it when i see it i understand people being afraid i certainly was afraid that something was going to fall apart but we're well past that this is going down it's going down this week and it's time for a new age i mean you can't say it much better than that i mean honestly it's, it's a time to be excited um from your lips to god's ears it's it's happening and I can't wait. So, and, and you know, we're going to have a lot of fun with this show because next week the Mets will not be a broke boys franchise anymore. That is right. We are going to be, and I'm going to use we because we've been along with this BS for too long of being cheap, poor, whatever it may be, boring off seasons. I'm excited. I can't wait. Next week, the first episode with Steve Cohen officially as the Mets owner. And it'll be episode 12, folks. We'll catch you next week. I'm Amira Rose Davis, host of the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. My white coaches just said, you may not get the scores that you deserve because you're Black. It's the story of a decades-long struggle of Black gymnasts trying to find and amplify their voices. I can't be the next Simone Biles. I can't be the next Dominique Dodds. I can only be the next version of myself. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts.